0: Welcome back to That's Gotta Be Wrestling, the wrestling review podcast. Today we are discussing NWA Starcade 1984, which took place November 22nd, 1984, at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina, with an attendance of 16,000 people. The tagline is the Million Dollar Challenge. And the poster is Super 80s and Sparkly. Awesome. Yes, I am Tommy and joined as always by...
1: Me, Olivia. Yeah,
0: and we are moving on with the 80s train headed yeah. to the very next Starcade, And I want to preface first that I was wrong last week when I said, oh, I believe 84 Starcade is even better than 83. It's 85 Starcade I was thinking Gotcha,
1: of. okay. So,
0: because we watch this and it's not a very good show. It was quite the dud. Yeah, so... We'll, of course, get into that, all the minutiae of that, but Olivia, uh, I, uh n- you normally have an opening question. I do,
1: yeah. But today, I have one,
0: and it might be a little controversial, but okay. we'll see how this goes. Ooh,
1: I'm nervous.
0: So Cody Rhodes' father, Dusty Rhodes, who is prevalent on this show, Correct. is the creator of Starcade. He trademarked it. He was a booker in NWA at the time. He is the legitimate creator of the Starcade name. Now, of course, gotcha. it was owned by WCW, and right. then... Uh, now that the WWE owns WCW, it's owned by WWE. Now, WWE let all of these old IPs from WCW kind of lose their trademarks, such as Bash at the Beach, and I believe Great American Bash was another one. So Cody was trying to pick all these up for AEW. Right. In a way to kind of strong arm the WWE into letting him have the Starcade name for AEW instead of these. Like, he would give up these ones that he's trying to trademark just for the Starcade name. Right. Which the WWE does use, but only on, like, a one-hour network special, and it's technically a house show sometime yeah. in December, and it's kind of pointless and kind of a slap in the face to the Starcade name. So do you think that the WWE should let Cody have the Starcade name?
1: Uh, do I think they should? Yeah. Yes. Do I think that they're going to because <laughs> they're greedy? No. Oh. Um, I think that... A lot of times w w e um likes to hold things for ransom just to say that they have like control over certain like names gimmicks um pay per view names i mean we've seen it time and time again where they've you know kind of held on to all these old things that they clearly don't have any legitimate use for right. um but do so just to weirdly have this like control over over all of these all of these things and i think it's just funny to me that like you know you think back um during the monday night wars and it would make a little more sense as to why they would want to hold those types of things so dearly to them um to kind of get an edge over the competition but there's no reason in today's day and age that they need that they legitimately need any of that uh-huh. um so yeah i would say that uh They need to let this one go. Do I think they're going to? No, never.
0: I think they should give Cody the Starcade name too because it's just used... If they made it a spectacle like Starcade was, then awesome, keep it. Because, I mean, they made Great American Bash a pay-per-view. NXT is obviously using Halloween Havoc, so that's fun. But, like, they're not going to use it and it's just going to be a a one-hour network special. Mind you, on a three-hour, like, uh, live event that they do anyway, just give it to Cody and AEW who would make it a major pay-per-view. Yeah, They exactly. would make it a thing, and that would be sure. cool. It's a way to honor his dad, but, you know. Whatever. Not gonna happen. All right, so moving on, you have a Today in Wrestling history, correct? I do,
1: so uh, if you didn't pick up on this last time, on the retrospective episodes that we're doing, we have decided to move forward and do... Uh, this day in wrestling to give you just a little bit of context and a little bit of wrestling history. I did my math correctly this time, um, <laughs> so we're good on, on that level. Um, so, yeah, so we got a couple pieces, There's nothing too exciting that happened on this day. Uh, keep in mind, we took notes on oh, this. Oh, I
0: disagree. I think uh, this one's really exciting.
1: Is it? Yeah. Well, we took uh, notes on this episode on April 29th, so we're recording this a few days after, but. On April 29th, uh 10 years ago, WWE launches Be a Star program <laughs> to campaign an anti-bullying platform. Ironically, Star stands for show tolerance and respect, uh which is really cheap coming from coming from them. So, so what do you think about this? Oh,
0: dude, this is just a big joke. This is <laughs> such a joke and it's hilarious cuz like as someone who got bullied in high school, totally like fuck fuck bullying and all that thing. But the WWE is such, like, the whole program, especially Stephanie McMahon, who's kind of, like, in charge of it.
1: Right. It's,
0: it's such hypocrisy. It's oh, amazing sure. hypocrisy. Because, I get it, it's wrestling, it's, you know, fake, it's like a TV show, it's a program, it's like Game of Thrones or a soap opera. But, I mean, you literally had a storyline where you called a woman fat. Mickie James, who was not fat, called her Piggy James. Uh, how many other things, like the treatment of, like, John Laurinaitis as a general manager. Um, the Bella feud that they had when, like, I wish you died in the womb. Uh, anything Stephanie McMahon's ever done to anything. All the women, like, making fun of James Ellsworth fa- James Ellsworth's face, which he can't control that. Yeah. Uh, the way Michael Cole, of all people, called wrestlers nerds on commentary. Like, all of these things that you do as a company, but you're going to be like, but don't bully people. You're going to watch our product. Enjoy it. Be entertained.
1: I mean, you give, like... You know on stage examples, but off stage behind the scenes, I think that speaks way more volumes about their hypocrisy than, than what happens you know on screen and uh just their treatment of certain. You know, wrestlers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I could name countless examples of the way that they've mistreated their talent. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Honestly, I we talked about this before we, we started recording, and I had totally blocked this out of my brain. I don't know
0: how you did.
1: <laughs> but I was like, I don't even know. I don't even remember what that is. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, I... Um, other this day in wrestling history six years ago today jeff hardy in a very jeff hardy fashion broke his leg doing a dirt bike stunt
0: that's not spreading
1: this man literally jumps off like 10 12 foot ladders and doesn't you know comes off without a scratch breaks his leg dirt biking if that tells you anything jeff hardy is
0: gonna die in the most anticlimactic matter he's gonna die like an old man you think so? in bed in his sleep yeah at like 104 <laughs> and not like in some cool way where we're like that's such a jeff hardy way to go but uh, i think i remember hearing about this and then unfortunately he had like another uh relapse and whatnot so those are always yeah, unfortunate he's had is. a he's had a tough life
1: for sure but, uh, yeah, I just thought that that... Other, the other things that happened on this day um, just include, like, a lot of pay-per-views um, in certain years. Backlash happened. I think an extreme rules ended up falling on the day of April 29th a uh, few years ago. I want to say, like, eight or nine years ago. Um, so, so, yeah. So, nothing too, nothing too crazy spectacular. It's not always going to be spectacular. But uh, I like having this sort of context for um, thinking about... Uh, because I feel like so much happens, um, in wrestling, especially like the farther you go back and mm-hmm. the more you think about like you know all the different territories and them coming together, um, and then of course like the Monday Night Wars and stuff. So much happens in, in a short amount of time that you think it's way way longer of a time period, but it's actually not. So it's just interesting to kind of reflect on on these things. Yeah, so. I would agree. But anyways, let's let's get into this.
0: All right. So Starcade '84 took place. Roughly a year after 1983's big, huge spectacle, big moneymaker for NWA, big money maker for wrestling. This, of course, caused Vince McMahon to be like, hmm, maybe I, this is my, I'm a little, like, congested right now, so it's going to be my really bad Vince McMahon, He's like, maybe I could do a, a big event like this. But he wanted to get to that for a few more months. So the NWA wanted to have their second one, which is, of course, setting up the feud between Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes for the NWA championship. But before we get to the main event, we will get to the other matches. Yeah. So, uh a couple titles I had never actually heard of before are put on the line here. Uh our first match has the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Our champion Mike Davis taking on Danny Brown. Uh I noticed when they announced the referee who was Earl Hebner. Cool to see yeah, him we in very early role. Uh the fans booed him for some reason. Which my mind was like, oh, of course they did, because in storyline in the late 80s, Earl Hebner was the crooked referee that screwed Hulk Hogan out of the championship. But that didn't happen yet, so I'm trying to figure out why they uh, were booing Earl Hebner.
1: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Did you know that even though Earl Hebner is like the legendary referee, his brother Dave Hebner was the WWF referee at the time, and then Earl came in to be that like screwy ref because they're kind of they look a lot alike so oh okay yeah, there's a whole okay. storyline thing so and then Earl Hebner just overshadowed his uh yeah his brother anyway uh we get a lot of arm drags and arm bars to start the match out uh Davis works over Brown's lower back dazing the young challenger Davis then hits a back suplex and Brown kicks out at two but for some reason the ref counted three and we were confused everyone was confused the announcer then announces Davis as the champion still as Brown grabs the belt as if he won Apparently, Davis had his shoulders down, so we get a new junior heavyweight
1: champion in this, yeah. but it was very
0: confusing and not very well uh, shown by the cameras. But Olivia, what did it you think of our just, opener?
1: This was just really strange. Um, honestly, this felt like it happened in like two blinks. <laughs> Actually, according to Wikipedia, it was about um, like five, oh, wait, yeah, like five five-ish minutes. Um And, uh, weirdly enough, this is going to be contending with some of the longer... I mean, there are, like, matches on this card that are literally four minutes. Somehow Um, this was still a
0: three-hour pay-per-view.
1: Yeah. This, I don't even know how this even, like, was so... As as short as it was. But uh, the ending was super confusing. Not much happens in this match. Basically, just toss each other around. And then it concludes with this super confusing ending. So, I gave it a one out of five. Because do I, do I even have to
0: elaborate on, no, on that? No, it was... <laughs> this match just kind of came and went. And I was like, all right, moving on. Yeah, so, <laughs> anyways. The show also moves on. Because in the dressing room, we get once again get baby Tony Schiavone, who is uh, naturally in a weird dressing room with Ric Flair, who's just pacing around. Schiavone's like, we're going to talk to Ric Flair soon. And I always wonder why, why the announcers back in the day would cut back to that. Like, we're going to talk to the champion soon. Why don't we just Wait. And, like, cut to you later.
1: Yeah, I don't so. need a play-by-play of, like, when you're going to talk to them. Right. Like just just let us know when you talk to him. Yeah, at
0: least he doesn't have blood all over him like he did at the end of 83. Our second matchup is Mr. Edo taking on Brian Adidas. Uh, I've heard of Mr. Ito before. Um, I have never heard of Brian Adidas. Uh, but this match uh, was also very short. So the crowd boos the shit out of Edo, who is actually a legend in, in wrestling nowadays, but... He was a heel back then Uh, They cheer Adidas And both men awkwardly take each other to the floor Wrenching each other's arms Because there has to just be a lot of arm drags and arm bars on the show And Adidas wins after an airplane spin Which I did not see You know Finishing anyone off But it was 1984 So naturally of course it did Uh, Olivia what did you think of this match?
1: again it was so short there's like really not much to elaborate on but i gave this one a one out of five because it wasn't wasn't super exciting
0: yeah i would agree to that um mr ito is a legend and i'm gonna do something that's really annoying you because uh <laughs> oh never God. heard of brian adidas but the as soon as they said his name this is what popped into my mind <laughs> so i gave it a, a half star as well this match was just terrible and completely pointless i think like What's the point of these first two matches, you know? So moving on to our third match, another championship you and I had never heard of, the NWA Florida State Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Jesse Barr, the champion, who was ironically from Oregon, uh, taking on Mike Graham. So we get some very nice chain wrestling between the two as Graham takes Barr to the floor uh, with a drop toe hold. Graham then takes the champ down with an arm drag, but Barr fights out and locks in a key lock. I don't think it was called a key lock back then, but I can't remember what it's actually called back in the 80s. Uh, Barr unleashes some hard right forearms, and Barr uses heel tactics, moving away from the referee, and pulls the challenger's hair. The referee is then absolutely murdered, and Graham has the match won, but no one is there for the three count, of course. The ref does not see Barr's feet on the ropes, causing the champ to retain his championship with a dirty pin. Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: I agree with your sentiment that this was London Chain wrestling, very technical wrestling, very reminiscent of that classical um, territory st- style of wrestling. I would definitely say that a modern comparison to this, I was trying to think of like what would be a good modern comparison, just to give the audience a little bit of context. It reminds me a lot of the way that Daniel Bryan wrestles today. Um, so high so high that, praise for yeah, these guys. For sure. Um, so that's, I actually sort of like this one. I give it a three out of five. All
0: right. This was easily, this made me think that the, the event was going to turn around. I was like, yeah. oh, this was really good. Yeah. Um, and I think based off the first two matches, I might have been a little more kind to this one. I mean, it was still very good. So I gave it a four out of five. Okay. That was a good match. Yeah. I'm familiar with Jesse Barr. I mean, it's a name that I've known. I've seen a few of the matches. Mike Graham is a name like I've heard of, but I don't think I've ever seen anything by the guy but yeah i gave this match a four out of five okay cool we move on to our tag team elimination match the zambui express uh of elijah akim and kareem muhammad with their manager paul jones taking on assassin number one and not assassin number two surprisingly but buzz tyler so this is a big beefy match as every one of those matches just big like, and I don't mean, like, buff. I mean, just, like, like big, big, like, yeah.
1: Big men.
0: Yes, big, beefy men. Uh, Muhammad throws some punches, looking like he's actually clocking Tyler directly in the face. Uh, Chaos is all four men throw punches at each other, and no one knows what the fuck is happening. Not the announcers. Golden solely and Bob Cottle are like, I don't know what's happening. It's impossible to call the match. Uh, Assassin number one eliminates uh, Muhammad after some sort of move. I didn't really see what it was because someone got in the way of it. And you think, oh, okay, it's going to be two on one. But no, the match just ended. So why was it an elimination match?
1: I don't know.
0: (laughs) But anyway, Olivia, what did you think of this tag team
1: elimination match? I, I, the, the problem is, is that these matches are simultaneously so short and there's like really nothing that happens in these matches also with, like, the confusing sort of quote-unquote stipulation that I guess was happening in this match was kind of this whole formula for me not being able to take any notes on this. So I just gave this, like, a, a 1.5 out of 5. I feel like that was, was a little high. generous, but... This
0: was, wait, this was the worst match on the show. Yeah. Like, easily. <laughs> was fucking terrible. I gave it a 0. 0.5. I was gotcha. a half star, I guess. Um, fucking, like, what was even happening? The, if the announcers don't know what's happening... Then you're in trouble and because in they mind, can't they can't tell you what's happening exactly if they don't know what's
1: happening and keep in mind uh to those that are listening there's eleven matches on this card, so there was no reason to have these sort of filler matches on here because there are some decent matches on here with like decent run times of anywhere between like nine to twelve minutes, and they're all pretty decent, and I just feel i, I don't know this this was not. It was sort of dead on arrival. <laughs>
0: yeah. We're, we're 17 minutes into this episode at this moment, and this is the fourth match, and I'm pretty sure by the fourth match, we were also 17 minutes into the show. So, like,
1: yeah.
0: I I just don't get what they're I doing. I don't here. either. Why throw these matches on the card if they're going to be, like, three minutes of nothing happening?
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So backstage with Tony and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, he cuts a promo on Flair and all of Flair's expenses, saying, Baby, I'm the common man. Common man doesn't need no... Don't need no expensive as Flair. You know, I'm a blue-collar guy. That's my really bad Dusty Rhodes <laughs> Uh If it sounds good, thanks. If not, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Dusty Rhodes with great promo, as always. Uh, he's just one of the best on the mic. Was one of the best. So it's good to see him throwing down some mic skills here. And the microphone actually worked. So yeah. that was nice.
1: Yeah, for once.
0: So we get another championship I'd never heard of. The Brass Knuckles Championship, which was actually a real champion. Ship, uh, Black Bart, the champion, with J.J. J. Dillon, famous War Horseman manager, taking on the Raging Bull, who was known... Oh, God, what was his name? Manny Fernandez at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they just called him the Raging Bull, but that's his name here. Uh, Raging Bull drops the champion with a straight shot to the face. I see a lot of, like, real punches on this show. Like, no one's holding back. I'm like, okay.
1: Everyone's throwing some stiff blows. Man,
0: punching someone hurts. Your hand's going to hurt if you're throwing (laughs) some stiff blows. So, Uh, Bart then lacerates bull open with a headbutt. Uh, Bart starts to bite the raging bull's head, which is very gross because I guess we didn't know about these really bad diseases in the early 80s. But in retrospect, you're like, no, just in case, no, it's not good. Uh, Bull leaps off the apron onto the champion, knocking him to the concrete floor. I also realized they had no padded mats there. So if you're hitting the floor, you're hitting straight concrete, which does not feel great. Uh, It's at this point the announcers inform us that the match is anything goes as Bart clocks Bull right in the balls with his foot. Uh, Bull then wins the championship after J.J. Dillon throws Bart his bull rope, leading to the bull to roll him up. So we didn't even get to see a ball rope used in it. But Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: Um, again, not really any notes on this except the <laughs> fact that I noted that this was our first match to draw blood, which happens pretty late in this pay-per-view compared to like the previous year's uh, uh, absolute bloodbath. Like I swear, starkey 1983, like every single match there was blood. And I think that was also another indicator that the show like wasn't off to like really hot start, because like I mean, even though the crowd was I would say just as jazzed at this show as they were in in nineteen eighty three. Um, this is light years behind what eighty three did. Yeah. Um. So that's that's pretty unfortunate. I weirdly enough, I don't remember why this is. This is why we shouldn't have recorded this so late. But I don't remember why I gave this such a generous rating. I feel like I did remember. But I can't remember for the life of me now. I gave this a two point five out of five, and I think it was because I was like, okay, it wasn't like the worst thing in the world compared to the the previous matches on this card, and it was the first one to draw blood, so good, good for them.
0: All right. uh, I was that generous too, and I gave it a one. I mean, gotcha. it's, just, it's not a good match, man. We just <laughs> no. we've had one good match of five, five yeah. or six. So, uh, backstage again with Shivani. Uh, he's with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, a man pissed about getting beat down by his opponents from an earlier date. Oh, at this point, after this match, it, like, cut to Ricky Steamboat getting beat up. And I was like, did this just randomly, like, cut to the next thing? But no, it was showing, like, an old, you know, event that happened.
1: I was genuinely worried at this point. I was like, oh, no. Are we, like, already starting to get into stuff where they just, like... Where peacock is like cut it out for like no reason, right. that's what that was my genuine concern when we were watching it, but then I realized, okay, this is they're just showing us a recap of something, so they don't make that very clear, but if you go home and like watch this on your own, that is what's happening yeah.
0: so um, we're then backstage with Shivani again. He is with Tolly Blanchard and JJ J. Dillon. And this is ironically not the first time we've covered Tolly Blanchard because he is yeah. in AEW and kind of this JJ J. Dillon role now, which I think yeah, is
1: it's really, really entertaining. Yeah, it's pretty meta. All right, so uh,
0: what I forgot to mention is Bob Cottle and Gordon Soley after the last match said that this was there was an intermission. Um, kind of you know you were getting like a 10 minute intermission people could go use the restroom go no get beer, we got whatever. a
1: seven minute intermission seven minute intermission. mind you not right. 10 minutes not five minutes seven minutes
0: and that was done so that paul jones could go get in a tuxedo and assassin number one could go get in a tuxedo as well because our next match olivia is a tuxedo street fight loser leaves town
1: match loser leaves town i love that stipulation paul
0: jones Taking on Jimmy Valiant, who we covered last week, as Charlie Brown from Out of Town. Yes. Who he had to beat Charlie Brown from Out of Town because he also lost a loser leaves lose mat town match as Jimmy Valiant. So now he's back as Jimmy Valiant. Spoiler alert: He loses this match. So does he come back as Charlie Brown from Out of Town again? I've got a. To... Uh,
1: I guess we'll we'll wait to see. Yeah, the fourth
0: and... the fourth member of fucking ZZ Top over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Paul Jones actually gets an entrance with pop rock music, generic pop rock music, and did not see that coming. Because at this point, no one except for, like, the big name, like, Ric Flair, was getting music. So Paul Jones gets an actual entrance. Jimmy Valiant rocks out to some jazz music is what it kind of sounded like. Uh, The former Brown from out of town uh, rocks the Hill Manager with punches because, naturally, that's all anyone could do back then. Valiant strips down James to his underwear. Which I mean, I guess this is in the very first brown panties match in a way, if you think about it. Like, yeah, you know, I always say like, yeah, did we really have to put the women through that? But you know, did we really have to put the men through it too? Was anyone like hankering to see Paul Jones get stripped down to his fucking tidy whiteies? I'm
1: so glad you mentioned that too, because thus far, in like all of this. There is a very severe lack of of women, and not in the, the you know, feminist way of, like, oh, there's no women wrestling, because, you know, in this time, there were women wrestlers, just obviously not on, on big pay-per-views like this, but just generally overall, like, I mean, there are women audience members, but I don't know, there's nobody, you know, it's sort of as, like, the, the manager or the sidekick or... You know, you hate it when I call them escorts because it makes it sound really bad. But that's, I mean, that's it makes them sound like hookers. Genuinely, that's what they are. Um, on on either of these shows yet, so I guess we'll wait for eighty five. But uh, yeah, thus far in these, we don't we don't get any women.
0: Yeah, I guess um, last week we had what was her name, uh, Barbara clary
1: god gotcha. we didn't even get
0: her this week as like an interviewer so.
1: yeah she she was a uh, I feel like a very t- it's she funny was too she because was charlie brown
0: from out of town She's, she
1: <laughs> yeah somehow she just magically grew a beard funny thing about barbara clary i know you were saying how like we couldn't find anything about her i genuinely like i'm starting to believe that they just like randomly plucked this woman out of the audience and were like we need somebody as a secondary interviewer to shivani And you look like you're sort of dressed up, even though she really wasn't. And so, like, we need you. Because I don't think we see hide or hair of this woman ever again. Yeah, I don't think so either. But anyways, let's get back to this match. Yeah,
0: let's unfortunately get back to this match. Uh, Somehow, Jones throws some punches and Valiant hulks up long before Hulk Hogan ever did the work. Yeah. The ref goes down and J.J. Dillon steps in to crack Valiant with something in the head. And Jones gets the pin. So Jimmy Valiant has to leave town. Paul Jones is in his underwear. It's a fucking mess. Um he's Olivia, Yeah, he's bleeding because, you know, that's what we needed. This match was kind of homoerotic in a way.
1: It really kind of was. Yeah. It was a little fruity. Yeah,
0: so, Olivia, what did you think?
1: Uh, I gave this a two out of five. Again. It's good lord, why? Could not remember. Why. I, I guess I was just feeling so... Pff, I was trying... Okay. Again, <laughs> I will preface that I am trying to put myself into the context, into the mindset... Of so am I, but an this. '80s wrestling fan. What am I seeing? You know, I try not to compare it to all of the wrestling media I've consumed thereafter. Um, I guess I was just trying to be generous.
0: You were being very generous. So. This match was
1: terrible. <laughs> I guess I liked the. I liked. At least it wasn't just another boring match. It was one of those where they spiced it up a little bit. You got to be in a tuxedo. It's a street fight. And then also stipulations that the loser's got to leave town. So I was like, okay, they're trying a little bit. So maybe that's why I gave it such a high rating. Um...
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get a much better one between Jim Cornette and Paul Lee Dangerously like four years from I'm now. Or something. Excited. I'm I give excited. I gave this a half star. It's just terrible. I don't want to talk about it anyway. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to our NWA Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. God damn, everyone can say they're a fucking heavyweight champion yeah. at this point. Our champion, Cowboy Ron Bass, again with J.J. Dillon, taking on Dick Slater, who turned face sometime in mid 84. So the fans are real happy with him. Uh, Slater gets a very generic rock music entrance, but Dylan and Bass, for some reason, also enter during his entrance. Did you notice that? Like, Slater's coming through the crowd, slapping hands, and then Bass and Dylan are, like, also getting through the crowd.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I can tell you.
0: It's it's like, man, it's really funny to see how badly uh,
1: produced produced some of these old ones are. Well, Uh, well, I genuinely believe that, like, at this point, they were... I mean, obviously, there was televised wrestling. I'm not going to sit here and be that little, you know young whippersnapper that's like ha ha these old people couldn't film wrestling but they definitely had no like i mean pay-per-views even back then were a big undertaking and this was just obviously some sort of communication or production issue and the show was just absolutely riddled with them
0: yep it sure sure
1: and weirdly enough in a way i almost feel as though starcade 83 was better produced Than 84 yeah for whatever i don't know if it was just budget cuts or what was going on but what what the hell happened
0: (laughs) i don't know they made a ton of money so
1: yeah
0: anyway uh slater pushes bass as he's getting his chaps off uh slater then chases chases dylan around the ring but runs into boots from bass as he enters the ring bass then attacks the challenger by slamming his head onto the turnbuckle slater mounts a comeback as he grabs the ref by the hair and throws him out of the way Dylan gets in the ring to attack Slater, leading to the future Four Horsemen to get hounded with punches. The ref then backs up Slater and disqualifies him for throwing him around, rightfully so. Uh, Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: Um, this one was just a little bit more exciting than the previous ones on the card. I think it got the the crowd a little bit more revitalized, which was nice. Um, I think that the uh, like DQ was a little shocking to the crowd. Um so, so good good for them um I gave this a two point five out of five. I thought it was a little bit more decent than what we had seen previously, but I might still be being generous i don 't know
0: i did I gave it a two point five as well. It was a pretty okay match um could have been a little better if you know things would have continued to go um but yeah it was it was all right, was, all right. i mean it's also up against a lot of shit right so yeah. it makes it that makes it a much better
1: match it's a polished turn in a it's right in a sea full of unpolished turds.
0: To add to the awkwardness of these old NWA pay-per-views, we get the Star-Spangled Banner here.
1: Right in the middle of the show.
0: Right? Um, And it was a trumpet cover, which I'm sure made you real happy, because you play the trumpet.
1: It was much better than whatever the... Whoever the fuck sang the Star-Spangled Banner in the last... It was some country singer. Yeah. Some dude country singer. Couldn't tell you what the name of him was, but a lot better this time. But weirdly enough, still in the middle of the show, which I would love... I guess we have Google for a reason, but I would love to know the reasoning behind that. yeah, if
0: you want to Google it, be my guest, but Ooh. I don't. Uh...
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna quickly. If you want to move on, I'm gonna do some digging here.
0: All right, we now get a tag team champion, not a tag team championship match. Just a tag team match. Uh, the Koloffs, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, taking on Ole Anderson and Keith Larson with Don Kernodal. Keith Larson, much like Barbara Clary from last week, is someone that I cannot find anything on. I tried to find them on Wikipedia. I went to uh Google to find Keith Larson. The only thing I can find is like some, you know, wrestling events, very small wrestling events that this person was at, including this one. I even went to online world wrestling, which has everybody on there. This dude's not even listed.
1: Doesn't exist.
0: I do not know who the fuck this guy is, but whatever. I know who everyone else is. Uh we get USA Chance as the Kolok brothers enter the ring. Chaos early as the Americans please the crowd by cracking the Soviet with punches. Seems like every match starts with punches or arm bars. That's like one of the two, right? Uh Ole then takes it to the Russian bear, slamming him with his arm behind his back. The faces cut off Ivan for many minutes, slamming him and working over his right arm. We get uh a bleep as someone cursed on air, I'm assuming, because just randomly it's someone's talking, and then you hear like the audio cut out. Uh, Nikita finally gets tagged in, and Ole is cut off from his corner as the brothers double team the fake Anderson, and I call him the fake Anderson because Ole Anderson and Arne Anderson were tag team partners, the the original two members of the Four Horsemen with Claire yeah. and Tully Blanchard. Ole Anderson looks almost exactly like Arne Anderson. They look exactly alike, not even close to related.
1: Not related at all. Not from
0: the same place. Not related. Not the name Anderson does not appear in Ole's actual name. How how weird is it? Uh, they are from both from Minnesota. I I misspoke there, but how random is it that they look so much alike, and they're from Minnesota, but they're not related. Isn't that weird?
1: That is pretty strange.
0: Yeah. So I've always so, thought that's.
1: Strange. I want to give you an update. Oh yes, please. Um. I mean, historically, I understand why it's played because it's sort of that pomp and circumstance, and gives a. I mean, it was a. Star Spangled Banner was obviously written in eighteen fourteen by Francis Scott Key. Um was written about the oh god, what war are we talking about?
0: War of eighteen twelve.
1: Yes, thank you. And you're the
0: history major
1: here. Uh it was first played at a sporting event at a baseball game in eighteen sixty two during the Civil War. Um and the tradition of it actually started in nineteen eighteen during the World Series, which was happening during World War One. Um, and then, of course, was later popularized during World War Two. so, um, the, I understand playing it at the beginning, but there's literally nothing that I can find here on the internet that explains why it's played in the middle. Um, so... I'm just going to go ahead and not give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they probably just, like, forgot and in the middle of the show they were like, oh, shit, like, we need to play the Star-Spangled Banner. Okay. Or it was probably used as sort of, like, a filler where they need to, like, get certain people in place. Um, that yeah, would make that would
0: make a lot more sense. Get them in
1: a gorilla position. Um, but it, no reasoning as to why it's played in the middle. But right. uh, well,
0: I want to touch on your first point that you made up. Or that you said after we finish this match, because I actually have a really good point to that. Okay. All right. So uh, Ivan Koloff locks in a bear hug. Larson gets the most exaggerated hot tag. He headbutts both of the Koloffs on the outside. Nikita takes down the injured Don Konodl humorously, just like rips his freaking uh, crutches out of his hand, and the like dude falls to the floor. Uh, somehow the match ends after Ivan pins Larson. I guess the the camera was focused on Don Conodle on the outside but the Koloff brothers win. So Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: This was interesting that the Koloffs get the win because this is uh when you think contextually 1984, um you're in basically the the closing years of the Cold War. And we see, like, the Russians get the win, which is really strange because most of the time the archetype in wrestling, Americans versus Russians, Americans always come out on top. So this was, like, an interesting booking choice, in my opinion. Um, But I gave this a 2.5 out of 5.
0: All right. I gave it the same grade. Um, I do like that you bring that up, though. I clicked on the wrong Koloff, rather, but whatever. Um, Because even then, Ivan Koloff was a former WWF champion. Yeah. And... uh, nikolai volkov who is not in this match but also like a famous russian um wrestler that really played on those cold war antics so i think it's kind of a brave thing to do man
1: very much so uh, yeah
0: takes a lot of balls to be like you know what i'm gonna piss off all these americans in a place that i live yeah and especially in the 80s where like the you know the kayfabe was still very much alive so yeah good good on them so, back to your Star Spangled Banner point about maybe they forgot and they just realized in the middle of the show. I also forgot to do something at the beginning of the show, and that was my Deadpool, the uh, list of dead wrestlers. Oh, on gotcha, the show. okay. So, let me go through them real Absolutely. quick. Absolutely. Uh, the deceased list includes Dick Slater, Duke Keomuka, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Elijah Akeem, Gordon Soli, the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. Smoke and Joe Frazier, Kareem Muhammad, Mike Davis, Mike Graham, Mr. Ito, Gentleman Paul Jones, and Cowboy Ron S. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. They just forgot and they had to do it. So, because awesome, okay. I just did that as well.
1: Well, because I felt like in, in 83 when they did it like right before the main event, to me, for whatever reason, that makes way more sense than doing it right the in the show. middle of the show because like at least it's like your it can almost be like your marker of like this is like the the main event. Well, at least do it during
0: the intermission that we had.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, you, I don't know. Who's this running is, this is show? Really strange. Dusty
0: Rivers actually. So I don't know. Yeah,
1: I I don't understand that choice. Maybe I'll have to do some more digging, but uh, <laughs> couldn't find it. I just unfortunately due to the controversy of the national anthem over the past like, you know, six years basically. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Googling, Googling
0: that's a big pain.
1: Otherwise.
0: Yeah, big pain. <laughs> all right. Uh, so moving on to our NWA World Television Championship, our champion Tully Blanchard taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, apparently, twenty thousand dollars is on the line as each man put up ten thousand dollars. Wouldn't that be a fucking luxury to have? <laughs> For sure. Just to be like, yeah, I'm gonna put up uh, ten grand. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, all right. So Steamboat takes it to the champ early, taking Blanchard down to the mat with a high knee. Blanchard then cracks Steamboat with a backbreaker and cockily prances around the ring. The back and forth continues as each man gets a small advantage before falling to a mini comeback from the other man. Steamboat cuts the champion open and adds insult to injury by spitting directly into his face. Steamboat then utilizes a very nice rope assisted suplex. Blanchard misses a punch with something in his hand but connects in the middle of a back suplex from Steamboat. Steamboat then goes for the pin, but Blanchard fights out, hits Steamboat in the face with his foreign object again, and gets the pin to retain the championship. So Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: Um. So I don't know. I, I actually really like this match. So the one thing that I did note is that uh, we don't know whether this was like storyline or real life because in the era of... Kayfabe basically, there it's not clear whether something is like written or scripted or, um, is something that's actually going on with them. And I noted that uh, in a pre-match interview, uh, Ricky Steamboat talks about how his back pain is pretty severe, um, which then of course goes on to like play like a major role in this match because throughout the match you can see him sort of clutching his back, not being able to, um, you know, do certain moves because of his back pain, which kind of
0: like I'm doing now.
1: For sure. Uh, so I thought that that was really interesting. I was like, oh, this will be like really interesting if this is like actually real or not. And I, I like the fact that it actually played into the proceedings of the match. Um, I gave this a 3.5 out of 5. I thought thus far in this whole show that this was the most involved match of the night. And honestly, it's like no surprise. These two are just absolute legends. Uh, weirdly enough, I think this is like the first time... Like, I, that I cognitively remember, like, seeing a full match of, like, that Tully Blanchard was in, so. Yeah. Um, he's a great wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, he for was sure. definitely a great yeah. wrestler.
0: Um, Chris Jericho just did, like, a promo from the Inner Circle to the Pinnacle about how, like, Tully Blanchard was, like, one of the worst horsemen. Not even, that's, like, the one thing I was like, no, oh, but he's one of the best horsemen.
1: I agree to disagree. <laughs>
0: Well, Tolly Blanchard is one of the best horsemen.
1: No, I mean, I'm agreeing to disagree between you and Chris Jericho. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, he's much more famous <laughs> and uh, <laughs> successful than I will ever be, but you're still the greatest, Chris. Moving on to our semi-main event, the D- NWA... I almost said WWE. The NWA United States Heavyweight Championship, because everything had to have fucking heavyweight in it back in the day. Our champion, Wahoo McDaniel, taking on superstar Billy Graham, who is very much at the twilight of his career at this point. Yeah. He had to have been in his mid 40s at this point i believe
1: i remember when i said that um when we were when we were watching the show um you were asking me like what came before the the main event and i mentioned that billy graham was in it, and you were like billy graham really <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. so yeah definitely definitely in his later years yeah
0: i thought billy graham's career ended in like at like 1981 yeah at the latest but uh wahoo who is apparently a heel now Thumbs Graham right in the eye. Uh, superstar locks in a full Nelson, but Wahoo fights out by getting to the ropes. Both men hit chops and a big tomahawk from Wahoo, and the title is retained. Uh, this match was very short um, and not very good. So, Olivia, what did you think of this match?
1: Uh, I this this one was super forgettable. Uh, wasn't very long. Hold on, I'm gonna... Before I say that... Oh, yeah. I was correct. This, this match was four minutes and 18 seconds. It's the
0: shortest match so, on the card, yeah? a Second uh, nope. shortest.
1: Second shortest.
0: Oh, who, who was... Uh, the shortest back. match was, uh... Was Mr. Ito versus Brian? Yes.
1: <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> Christ. So, if Run
0: DMC wants to sue us, please don't. Uh, we don't have a lot of money.
1: <laughs> sue me for my whole dime that I have. Um... Yeah, I just... it's I understand why these men are legends. This is definitely not their match. It's not a notable match that either of them have ever been in, so... Uh, they were both in
0: their mid-40s at this point.
1: Yeah, I feel like I was still being kind of generous, though. I gave this a 1.5 out of 5. Um, but yeah, not not great.
0: Yeah, this is the worst match on the card. I gave it a 0. 0.5, and only because we're... Have we given matches zeros before? Or did, we, did we agree we had to give it a 0.5? I, th-
1: mm, I feel like you gave Goldberg and um, gold... Wyatt. Yeah. Um, it was either, like, a Goldberg match or, like, a Brock Lesnar match. I think I ended up giving a Brock Lesnar match a zero, and I think you gave a Goldberg match a All zero. Right, I'm
0: going to give this a 0. .5 because Superstar Billy Graham's in it, and he's a legend.
1: Because so. yeah. I, I remember distinctly, whatever Brock Lesnar match, couldn't tell you which one, because there are quite a few of them now that are... You know, unfavorable, in my opinion. He's
0: had more matches in his second run in WWE than he ever did in his first. Yeah!
1: (laughs) Um, That I wanted to give, like, a negative rating, but then that didn't really make sense. So, I think we agreed upon, like, zero. Yeah, I think so,
0: too. (laughs) My dog's looking really cute right now, so we got distracted. Alright. Our NWA World Heavyweight Championship main event. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, our champion taking on the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Smoke and Joe Fraser is the special guest referee. $1 million is on the line. And we have a panel of judges. If the match goes the distance, a full 60 minutes, judge like a boxing match, because Joe Fraser is in this, uh, the panel of judges, which includes Joe Frazier, uh Duke Kiyomuka, who is a former wrestler, and Kyle Petty, a NASCAR driver, will score the match as if it's an actual boxing match. Yeah, (laughs) which is just ridiculous because it's not fucking boxing. It's pretty strange. Whatever.
1: Also, this match definitely did not last a full sixty minutes. I think it was like twelve minutes,
0: which is hilarious. Twelve
1: minutes and twelve seconds.
0: Because Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes can go sixty minutes.
1: Exactly. So,
0: especially here, they could go sixty minutes. But we'll get to the match. Uh, Gordon Sully on commentary basically calls Dusty fat as he and Flair uh, lock up. He says, "I don't know if Dusty can go sixty minutes. He can." He can do it he's
1: done it many times
0: yeah uh dusty begins to throw some of his patented punches uh then pl- puts Flair into a headlock Flair backs Rhodes into the corner blistering his chest with chops as well as uh cleaning his clock with a patented knee drop flare then misses another knee drop but locks in the figure four uh causing oh sorry dusty locks in the figure four it causes flare to scream out in pain uh, we get the very first flare bump as Rhodes delivers a chopped flare's Flair's chest, and the flare bump is when Ric Flair is in so much pain that he just falls face-first onto the map. I don't think this is the very first one in history. It's just the very first one that, A, we've covered and that I can go as far back to think we can see. Uh, Soli then uh, calls a suplex a suplea, which I ac- actually noticed a lot on this show and last week's show. I don't know why he's calling it a suplex. Maybe the X is silent, but Ooh, we call it a suplex. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, we always we also get the first flare bump in the corner as Rick gets launched in the corner and does the flip and then flips back into the ring. A lot of flare firsts on this. And then we get the first flare is very drunk strut as flare goes to the top uh, rope, but Rhodes slams him to the mat. Flair then tosses Rhodes into the ring post, busting the dream open. Frasier gets between the two men, checking on Dusty's busted open eye. Flair continues to work over the challenger, landing on top of him and pounds away at his head. Frazier then gets between them again, pushes Flair away, and calls the match in, flavor, in, flavor, in favor of Flair because of the blood loss from Dusty, which I don't know if that was supposed to happen because, again, it's not a boxing match, Smoke and Joe. But Olivia, what did you think of this?
1: Um, I actually really like this one. I... I- love. It's not like the greatest match that these two have ever had and I so wish this was longer. I really so wish it was longer. Um I think the dramatics kind of boosted it up for me so it's not the actual wrestling itself but it's sort of the drama that heightens it all. Um I know you disagree with me on that but uh I I love this and honestly in this match I realized like where uh to give you context where Shawn Michaels get gets a lot of his inspiration for selling from because um, Ric Flair does a lot of dramatic selling oh, yeah. in these types of matches. And these two were legends so that boosted up for me even more. Um, so I gave this a 3.5 out of 5.
0: Okay. Um, I like that you bring up the Shawn Michaels thing because there is actually a picture of Shawn Michaels when he, I think it was like 19 or 20 and he's holding up a PWI of Ric Flair on the cover with yeah. the championship and Ric Flair's got like a band-aid on his head because he I'm sure, bled fucking 40 pints of blood that night. And so Sean is dressed like him with a Band-Aid on his head, holding up the PWI. It's a really cool picture. I love that. Um, But yeah, I mean, this. I don't know. This match, you expect something from these two, and this was not it. And I think it kind of ended prematurely. I don't know if that was kayfabe or not. Uh, But I wasn't a big fan of this one. Now I'm 100% certain saying that the 1985 match that they have next year, which we'll cover in, I think, two or three weeks is a much better match. Yeah. And that one is the legendary Flair-Dusty Rhodes match. But I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. Okay. I think it could have been a lot better. I, I felt like either they ended it on accident or they ended it early because for some reason they felt they were running out of time, which I don't get. Cut half the matches on this show, you would have right. plenty of time.
1: Yeah.
0: So I I gave it a 2.5 out of 5. So Olivia, what are your Match of the Night, Performer of the Night, and Final Grade for NWA's Starcade 1984?
1: Um, So my Match of the Night has to go to Ricky Steamboat versus Tully Blanchard. I think that in terms of actual quality of wrestling, the presentation of it... Um I don't think it was like a super short match. i want to double check Probably that before the longest i one. it yeah it was the longest well second longest one besides that uh tag team match that it uh that preceded it. Um, This one went, like, 13 minutes, so definitely wasn't, like, the most awful thing in the world. And I liked the involvement of, um, you know, earlier in the interview that Ricky Steamboat's like, yeah, I've been having problems with my back, hopefully that doesn't come into play. And then it ends up coming into play in this match. So I I like that little callback to the interview that he had earlier. Um, A little storytelling there, if you will. Uh, So my performer of the night has to go to Ricky Steamboat just... Just because he's a hottie. I love him he's so much. He's <laughs> a I am a huge fan. Uh, and then my final rating for the show it's a two out of five. This pay per view had a lot of lows and very, very, very few redeemable qualities about it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, so my match of the night is actually going to Jesse Barr versus Mike Graham.
1: Oh, right. I was yeah, surprised that was by that yeah, yeah, I
0: was like, this is a pretty good match. There's you know, very good, very good chain wrestling going on. Yeah. Uh, both men look pretty good. So I got to give it to that one. Um, I really only positively really like two matches. And it was between this and the Steamboat Blanchard match. But I thought that the, um, what God, what title was this again? The NWA Florida State Heavyweight Championship Florida, match. Which yeah. is just probably the only time I will give Match of the Night to that match. My Performer of the Night is going to... Just kidding. Uh, It's not going to Brian Adidas. It is going to Ricky Steamboat as well. I think he gave the best performance for the reasons that you said. And, uh, yeah, I really like the back. I love when a wrestler's like, I don't know if this will hold up. And then they get beat down with that throughout the entire match. The only thing that I got a big knock on it is, like, shouldn't have Steamboat won the match? Like, you know, persevering and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: My attire of the night is going to Ric Flair's fuchsia robe and light pink trunks that he was wearing. Flair is two for two on the NWA shows, yeah. so, um, and I don't see him losing a lot of them because sure. he brought out the big guns when he's, it came to big shows. He's
1: all about presentation. He is.
0: When they say it's not a fashion show, they're full of shit. Because just look at look no further than the then, Nature Boy. Yeah. Uh, my final grade though is just a one. It just wow. Aside from Oof. the Florida Championship match and the United States Championship match, like, nothing really nothing was great stuck on the, out Yeah, to yeah. It. nothing was that great on this one. the The fact that like Flair and Dusty's promos were like. Thousand times better than the match really said something about it, and like Smokey Joe Frazier could have just like not fucking been a part of it. For sure. Guy's a boxing legend, but you have no, no place being here. All right, well we actually finished this one relatively quick. I mean there wasn't a lot to go over. The matches ended quickly. The uh, the presentation was kind of weak, so we got a really quick episode. Yeah. Out of this Short one. And sweet. Yeah, but next week I think we might have a pretty long one because, we are discussing WrestleMania. The very first WrestleMania from 1985, which is going to be exciting. Vince McMahon's magnum opus, if you will. So I guess that might be WrestleMania 3 I'm so excited. Yeah, so we will be getting into that, and we will also be doing a brief history lesson at the beginning of that show. Thanks, Raylo. Um, Leading up to WrestleMania, so that'll be really fun. We'll start it with our usual, like, this happened on this day and the deceased list, and then we're going to go into the whole... Reason Vince McMahon wanted to do WrestleMania before we get to the matches. So Awesome. Yeah. Livia, thank you for joining me and we will see you next Actually, no. You need to take us home before yeah, we see you next. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: I did want to mention before I get into our closing comments. Is it this? <laughs> no. Um we will be doing another My Life or The Life, my, of, my life of My Life My Life of Yeah, uh, the Life of episode. Um I I've got it written. I just need to add a few more comments to it, yep. and uh, that should be up within, like, the next week or two. Um, I'm, very much looking forward to it. I This one, I feel, is, pff, God, probably, like, the most involved I've ever got in research, just because I had to cite multiple sources to really try to get a grasp of of this story of this person. So, I'm super excited. Yeah. But anyways, please go follow us on Instagram at That's Gotta Be Wrestling. Um, that is our podcast hub where we post good memes, bad memes, all memes in between. Rilo, can you please just chill for a second? Uh, and also where we post when we go live. Definitely go check out our link on our Instagram. That's going to link you to all of our podcast hubs. And in addition to our Redbubble page. Um, And as always, Tommy, thank you for talking wrestling with me.
0: Of course. Sorry that the dog kind of got in there at the end, but thank you as always. You always got
1: to make out with him. I
0: know, right? Uh, WrestleMania 1 coming up next week. Money in the Bank live after that. Yeah. And then I think Starcade, Either Starcade 85 or the Wrestling Classic will be after that. I can't remember which one. And then hopefully we get Double or Nothing tickets because by the end of the month we'll be able to... We'll be able to do a live from Double or Nothing show. Lots
1: of wrestling content.
0: Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. Look forward to The Life of coming out soon. And we'll see you next week.